Hello and welcome back to the Schooner Pod. I'm your host Bobby Howard. With me today, we got my original co-host Jameson Maxwell. Jameson, welcome back on. I need you to come in. It's, these are trying times. I'm ready to talk. These they are trying times <laughs> indeed. And then uh, we also have Ty Lee. Ty, welcome on. What's going on, everyone? Um, so. Yeah, spring football, not happening. But you know what? This podcast is. So let's kind of talk about some of the latest news in OU football. Uh, Probably biggest one, uh, everyone's heard by now, um, Trey Sermon transferring to Ohio State. I think it came as a bit of a shock to everyone. Uh, Jameson, what what was your first reaction when when you saw that Sermon was leaving? Well, my first reaction was all the rumblings of him starting to follow these Ohio State guys on Twitter and the rumors coming out without him even being in the portal. And then Scissorhands goes out on Twitter saying there's about to be a big um, transfer. And when Scissorhands breaks something, this is the dude that broke the Paul George news. You know something's legit. And first, the first thing I thought of is how the heck is he doing any conversation with the Ohio State coaches if he's not in the portal? because it's a tainted system. And second of all, we are screwed if we lose Trey Sermon because we are already thin at the running back room. Yeah. It turns out that guy, the uh, all the gooners who are screaming to give the ball to Sermon more were exactly right. Um, because, yeah, he apparently, uh, from what Lincoln had said in his post or press conference, he had been kind of disconcerted, you know, even before the injury, halfway through the season, uh, didn't even get a single... Uh, I don't think he got a, like a carry against Texas. Uh, yeah, he was playing the most snaps, in, but he'd get like two or three carries a game. And Lincoln would try to cover it in the press conference afterwards. It was it was really weird. And I don't know about y'all, but after the season, I kind of forgot about that. It's kind of just after he got injured, I really forgot about how crazy we didn't really play him. And uh I didn't even think of him as an option to transfer, but it completely makes sense looking back on it. Yeah, I remember we were discussing a lot during the season, you know, maybe he's got an injury that we're nursing or or something like that. But looking at how this ended up with him transferring, I guess maybe we really were just underutilizing him without a reason. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah and, go ahead, James. Go. Okay, yeah, Ohio State, I mean, they need him is the thing. And I don't think he really felt like he was needed here at Oklahoma. And it was a complete lack of disrespect because this man was thrown into the fire and thrown into a huge role just right as, right as a freshman, you know. And that gives you a lot of ego. And then all of a sudden, whenever this is supposed to be your, like, peaking time of your career in your junior year, all of a sudden you're just completely lost and you're not getting any carries. That's a slap of disrespect to the face of Trey Sermon, and I completely understand why he um, he transferred. But now this leaves our running back room at Kennedy Brooks, which is a very, very good running back to have at the top. But after that, Ramondre Stevenson out for five games, and then TJ Pledger, and then the young redshirt freshman Marcus Major and true freshman Seth McGowan, that is not a big running back room, a running back room that OU likes to have where they play at least three running backs a game. Definitely, I, it's without a doubt cause for alarm. But I will have to ask you this: of the guys who we have to kind of you know replace him, who do you see being that uh, big second option behind Kennedy Brooks? 
it's got to be Stevenson if he gets into the like into the season in decent time. What we don't know is we ha- he has five more games um, under suspension. The appeal process, come on, we can keep on hoping for appeals, but our best bet with that is if if it's a shortened season, maybe we get a shortened appeal. He's going to miss non-conference play if it's a full season, and then he'll come back in a conference. He's going to be that number two. But TJ Pledger's got to step up. We've been waiting a long time hoping to see something out of him. He was a really highly touted recruit coming out of high school, but he's never stepped up. And he really hasn't had that much of an option and that much of a opportunity. Um, even the times where I feel like we talk about in the pod, be like, oh, it's time for TJ Pledger to step up. But he doesn't really get much of a chance from the coaching staff. So that is quite telling and something to be concerned about. Um, maybe, and plus, like like we were talking about, the the carries, you know, we got like 26 carries a game to give out after Jalen Hurts left, too. So there's a lot of carries to give out this season. Yeah. that That's also that's a good point because, you know, Rattler, while he is relatively mobile, is, is nowhere near the type of uh, mobile quarterback that you see we've seen with Hurts and Kyler. Yeah, I, I think I think that is going to be a factor. Um, that that trickles into our game planning, not not the Rattler thing, but the the thinness in the running back room and the the inexperience. Um, we can't burn them out, and we do start with <clears throat> a, a non conference schedule that you can't really sleep on uh, with Tennessee, and then going to West Point to play Army. Um, you know, no disrespect to Missouri State, but I, <laughs> you know, that's not a that's not a concerning one, but. Um, those two could be sleepers for us, so it's it is unfortunate to see. But you know, again, not to not to jump back, but like like Jameson and I kind of spoke to earlier, it's we should have seen this coming, or you know, a long time ago that we would be kind of thin and that we would lose him. So yeah, and like Jameson and I have discussed before, uh, you know, obviously off podcast. Um, it really opened up the situation at Ohio State really opened up for them, you know, with the injuries they've been having, and you know that's a prime position. You know, uh, the thing is, you know, that's that's the thing. The portal giveth and the portal taketh away, as as many people say on Twitter. Um, because I mean, you know, that's sometimes you get burnt by it. It, it was a, it was definitely a better playing position uh, playing position for Sermon though. Um, definitely. Also, also, shout out Bobby Petrino uh, making his debut in Norman. Uh, so that's going to be great. Oh, man. We just got a stellar cast coming in here. Yeah. No, it's, I mean, seriously, that's just uh, that's just great right there. Um, we need to just have all of the Petrino with the um, neck brace. We just, it's not even a meme. It's just a real picture. <laughs> His face is so red in that picture. It's I like I. I don't know if it's because of the injury or for just how embarrassed he is. I mean, like that is just like a that is a curb your enthusiasm thing where you just end up get caught <laughs> with your mistress <laughs> in a neck brace. <laughs> I mean, seriously, it's it's one of the most college football is great because it's just so bizarre. Um, that's definitely one of the weirdest, not uh, like off, you know, off season things I've ever seen. So but yeah, it, go, yeah, going back to Trey Sermon, one more point I want to make on this: it really, really hurts that we didn't get Jace McClellan in the last cycle, our longstanding running back out of Alito. 
We only got one running back from the cycle last year, adding to an extremely thin running back room that is right now. So it's it's not like we have too much young talent coming in. Uh, Seth McGowan is the workhorse and everything, but he's not a guy that you really envision as a true freshman guy that comes in and makes a big impact. So Jace McClellan could have been that guy, and if he was scared that he was going to get overshadowed in the running back room of Oklahoma, so he went to Alabama instead, it kind of bit him back in the ass on this one. Yeah, I... I I don't under I still don't understand that to this day. I I mean we I don't know how you can be so committed to a place for so long and then just kind of flip at the end. Uh, I know the running back room stuff, but you know I mean think about it. Brooks is about to leave. You know maybe you have one year of sitting out and then you're the guy. Yeah. yeah. Well, we have, have um up. who I don't think we mentioned him in this pod. Uh, what's his name that's been injured? Marcus Major, yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. uh, as well. So, yeah, Major yeah. would be huge. Who yeah, knows? He Who was knows? Really, like highly talked about within the OU's room. I mean, like what guy isn't highly talked about? But I mean, he people. I, this was like a really big stretch for some people. Are like saying like, oh, this dude looks like Adrian Peterson. No, he's not like Adrian Peterson. Adrian people Peterson say that was, about high schoolers yeah. all the time. Though. Yeah. He, but, I mean, he was good. I mean, he played at Millwood. He's an Oklahoma City kid. And yeah, he looked good at Millwood because when you play against Millwood competition, I mean, Millwood's <laughs> in it. And, what is that? Are they 2A, I think? 2A? They, they, mm. I, I mean, they're out here playing against Herod Atal, so. <laughs> yeah, I mean. Obviously, he's going to look good. I mean, whenever you're playing against OCS in the state championship, damn right you're going to look good. <laughs> so, um, um, yeah, and it was a shame that he was out for the whole season. But, uh uh, we need someone to pop off because Kennedy Brooks, yeah, that dude's leaving for the draft after the season. This is going to be a breakout season for him. That's the positive thing is is hopefully, um, you know, because that's that's the story of college football is you have these unknown dudes that get a shot and they just absolutely go off. So not to count on that, but don't count that out either when you look at this OU yeah. team. They got a hell of a run. I mean, offensive line to run behind too. Uh, guys that have been here have been done and done that, and they're a solid group that we haven't lost anybody. Yeah. So this is this is poise. If you want to make a breakout season, you're running back and within the ranks. You got to come up and show up. And another thing, yeah. yeah and and um, if Stevenson doesn't redshirt this season, he's gone too. So somebody's got to step up this season. Yeah. He won't. I, I don't think he. I don't think he will. Yeah. Not. He spent so much time in the. You know, he went through the JUCO system and stuff, but yeah, that's just that's just the reality with JUCO, though. You know, you don't get them for long. So, hey everyone, before we get started, I just want to talk about our sponsor, Anchor. Anchor simply is the perfect place to go if you're trying to start a podcast. First off, free. That's great. But there are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Super easy to use. Super intuitive. Uh, and then once you have that edited, Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and so many more places uh, where you listen to podcasts. And when they're distributed, you can start making money from your podcast right away, no minimum listener- listenership. Start getting that Anchor money. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one spot. So what are you waiting for? Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm right now to get started. Now, the Schooner Pod. All right, let's move on and talk about some NFL draft fits for the Sooners and the draft here. 
Let's just start out with uh, C.D. Lamb. Uh, easily probably the most intriguing prospect for OU. Uh, Jameson, you start. Yeah, um, there's. if you want me to say where I would love to see him the most, yeah, it's Arizona Cardinals right next to, um, to Kyler Murray and DeAndre Hopkins on the other side. That would be extremely fun. But I don't think that's going to happen. I think that Arizona Cardinals wide receiver room is pretty solid. I don't think that's something that they need to address as the number ninth pick. I think that the most realistic pick, it'd be the New York Jets at number 11. I think the top 10 is going to be quarterbacks and offensive linemen. There's really not, and then Isaiah Simmons and Akuda. you know, so wide receivers are going to start hitting off come 11, 12, 13, that probably even in that order with CD, Jerry, Judy, and um, Ruggs. So I think CD's first wide receiver off the board. I think he goes to New York Jets with Robbie Anderson leaving, um, leaves a hole for a number one wide receiver, and he would be with a young quarterback um, that he could follow. Um, and I think that could suit CD really well. Uh, I'll just yeah, I'll just go for this one. So um, kind of same thing for uh, for CD. Obviously, I would love to see him playing with either Kyler or or even with Bake. Um, <clears throat> the Browns aren't going to take um, the receiver, um, and and like Jameson said for the for the Cardinals, they probably won't either. Um, I don't have a a ton of insight into the NFL, I guess. So I, I would just say, you know, I'd love to see him at the Cowboys because I like the Cowboys. So I don't, yeah, I don't, Dude, the Cow- I don't have the a ton Cowboy- of insight, but I yeah, think I Cowboys think he's going to be very successful. Receiver, definitely. Yeah, yeah. It, it's not just a pick that oh, I like the Cowboys. He could go there. No, if CD falls to seventeen at the Cowboys, like you could see him going there. Um, I mean, they just signed Amari Cooper to, um, what, five-year, $100 million. But, I mean, if you don't believe as much in Gallup and you want to give Dak Prescott big weapons if you're going to pay him the money, CD, Amari Cooper, one-two punch would be a hell of a offensive um, scheme yeah, in Gallup. Yeah. And, and I, if he I'd falls to there, you can't. Mm-hmm. Yeah, without a doubt, I, I think that would be very cool, especially you know, just having um, – you know, just having an OU player, another OU player close to Dallas or close to town in Dallas would be huge. Makes um, sense just for the merchandise sales for oh, Jones yeah. to, to pull. Yeah, you get your options. You could either do Blake Bell, uh, Gerald McCoy, or you know, CD. It would be great. Um, well, I, I like everyone you know here, and pretty much every OU fan would love to see him reunited uh, with Kyler in Arizona. I think the Cardinals probably uh, go with an O-line uh, O-lineman there. Got to shore it up to help Kyler. Uh, I don't think he'll fall to 13, but I think the Niners would be very interesting. Uh, being a great target for Jimmy Garoppolo would be really exciting. That's a great quarterback to kind of learn under, and uh, I think he'd be a huge weapon for them. So I'm gonna I say, could definitely see that. I'm going to say Niners, but more than likely probably ends up with, uh, you know, Old, old, you know, old mono boy out there in New York or uh, you know Vegas. Which yeah, I, I don't know what the hell Vegas is doing. So yeah, no, Vegas needs a wide receiver too. So that's definitely an option there. And then branching off from that, looking at Kenneth Murray, I'm gonna say Vegas for Kenneth Murray. Um, Vegas has um, a couple of first round picks. They've got the number twelve and the number nineteen this year. And I think Kenneth Murray, even though he's not projected to go top twenty. Just because the lack of interviews and workouts and everything, um, I think K- 
Kenneth Murray's going to do really well in these Zoom interview meetings because he's got a great personality and can really talk it up well. He's had us believing in him every single time he's spoken up past his freshman year. And it was always, if he's going to speak up and do it, you better show it on the field, you know. And he didn't do that his sophomore year. And then last year he did it. You know, he really did well. He obviously still had some things that he needed to iron out, but that's just because he was brand new at a Mike linebacker position, still learning the game. But the jump that he made from his sophomore year to his junior year, his speed and his overall how well he does in interview, I think he's going to go above what his projection is. So I think he's going to go 19 to Oakland. When I Just to preserve our order here, so to, to jump to, to Murray, when I see Murray, the first thing that stands out is undeveloped potential or raw potential just because the sheer just turnover and uncertainty that he has had from his coaching at the college level. Um, you know, not to dive back into all of that story. Everyone that listens to the pod kind of knows the, you know, all the issues there, but he, it is tremendous to see the amount of interest. Cause I mean, when you, when you look him up and look at draft prospects, like when I was researching, for this uh, a few minutes ago while I was eating cheese. Um, <laughs> he has interest in interviews from tons and tons and tons of teams and tons of, um, you know, fan boards and stuff are talking about him. Some of the most exciting for me and where I'd like to see him. Um, again, the Cardinals, he's done uh, a couple virtual interviews with the Cardinals. Um, so that's, that, that would be really cool. Obviously um, he's had, you know, virtual meetings with, with a lot of people, uh, a lot of people are looking at, you know, he could be a good fit at the, at the saints and, uh, at the Packers as well, which is, would be cool places to see him go. I mean, there's tons of, those are just the two that I thought were the, the coolest out of the places that, um, you know, I've seen some interest in. So I think that a lot of teams see him and they think this is a guy with so much raw potential that we can make an investment in and, and put him where he can sort of develop and he might be a real sleeper that we can get, um, you know, maybe later on in the draft that can really turn into a guy that could be an NFL, you know, all-star. So. Yeah, for sure. And kind of speaking towards, you know, a little later in the draft, um, I know he kind of has been trending upwards, but I would love to see him end up in Baltimore with the Ravens. That's a team that loves uh, OU guys, obviously. You know, has a, I mean that, I mean especially on the offensive side of the ball, they you know have, I mean uh, Hollywood, Mark Andrews, very big on the O line as well. But you got Tony Jefferson in the secondary. Um, you know the the Ravens are 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 looking to kind of shore up that uh, linebacker position, and I think uh, developmental wise. There's not a better place to grow as a defender than Baltimore, um, which is has, has an incredible defense. So uh, that's kind of the place I'd love to see Kenneth Murray at. Yeah. Unfortunately, to help to, not to make everything sad, but um, Baltimore did cut Tony Jefferson oh, uh, this offseason. So, uh, to make room sad. for Murray, obviously. Yes. Yes, that, now there's a spot of linebacker. And it's crazy to think. Like, like, would you think that Kenneth Murray would be the highest-ranked inside linebacker going into a draft two years ago. There's no shot. There's no shot, I would think, that. Now he's the highest inside linebacker in this draft because um, a lot. some people think Patrick Queen at LSU is a little bit better there. But, I mean, 
Isaiah Simmons is not inside. He's outside or a safety hybrid. I mean, this, this is impressive. This really is. Um, and we should really be proud of it. And this is something that Odom should be using and is using in recruiting to every single kid. Look, I took this low-end three-star guy, a good character kid who works really, really hard, and I only had one year with him. And look at the bond that me and him have. Watch his video of me of him crying after the bowl game of how good of a coach I was. And I took him from really, really poor schematically to – a guy is about to be a first-round pick, and we need that so bad in recruiting of selling defensive recruits that we can actually give you bags when it comes down to later and getting drafted and developing you. Yeah, I mean that's that's exactly you know what we've done with the wide receiver position is constantly sending guys to the league, you know, getting them paid, and wide receivers come here because that's you go to OU, we will develop you into an NFL caliber wide receiver. Um, I think same goes for well, quarterbacks. Yeah, we'll have a we'll have a you know Heisman quarterback throwing to you, so it's hard to to not look yeah. great. And you're that playing against too. Big Twelve defenses, so I really really <laughs> like Odom a lot. So mm-hmm. he, I mean, he is special. Like if Grinch was to ever leave, like he'd probably be the guy to take over as DC. Like he has been a stellar hire. What I we talked about this on the last pod uh, between uh, me and Ty. I actually haven't gotten your thoughts on this. What do you think of the uh, Jamar Kane hire? I think it's great. Um, it really um, opens up a whole new pipeline of area to um, hit in recruiting when it comes down to West Coast. Um, but even though this, I don't know if we're really feeling West Coast that much this cycle, but in the future, definitely, because California is a hotbed. And he's proven that he can recruit um, California very well. Um, East Coast is really big this year. I'll get into that later. But just having another guy on the D-line as a recruitment with Thibodeau. Thibodeau has not been the best of recruit, uh, recruiter recently. Um, really been disappointing. And this guy can kind of pick up the heat um, when it comes down to that. He recruits defensive ends, so he is assigned just to rush linebackers, but he is getting all um, line, I mean, defensive linemen that are not nose guards or defensive tackles. So he's, he's main recruiter on some of the biggest guys on the D-line in this cycle. And he's doing well from what it sounds like. Um, we won't hear much about progress supports with him until we start getting D linemen recruits to commit and see what they say about him. Cause right now we don't know much. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It's, it's all early. Um, well, let's move on to the next guy. Uh, Neville Gallimore, uh, old big Canada's out here. This is kind of, this is kind of a more varied, uh, spot because he's not exactly, uh, you know, one of the highest, um, you know, highest prospects out there. So really you can stick them wherever. Um, Jameson, where would you like to see big Canada? So he was getting like first round grades coming right after the season. And then I feel like teams started to watch his tape and realize this dude is not an every down defensive lineman. He does really well. And then all of a sudden he disappears off tape. So now he's kind of fell to that second, third round area. And that's kind of where you'll see he, if he gets picked mid second, you can tell a team really loves his athleticism, how fast he runs. I think Seattle Seahawks is a team for him that he could do well in. Seattle has proven defensive team that knows how to do really well with rotations, and he needs a team that's not going to completely put the weight on his shoulders. 
he needs to be a two-down guy, rotate in and out. And that's the 59th pick in the draft in the second round. So I've still got him as a second rounder. Yeah, which is not too bad. Yeah, so when I when I researched Neville Gallimore uh, for the draft, some of the things that they kept coming up, like Jameson were saying, were speed and athleticism, absolutely huge, and and first round quality. But then you look at his his technique has been pretty criticized, um, and some of his his game IQ and stuff like that, and and I again to not to the extent of Kenneth Murray, but to play back to that, you know, point that I made with Kenneth Murray is look at where this guy is with the absolute, just ridiculous turnover that he's had at coaching and and development and stuff. Um, It's just, it's, it's difficult to say, you know, what would he be with, you know, different, different coaching and, and development. So I think a lot of teams, are also reading into that. Obviously, they know a lot more, or hopefully, the people doing, you know, uh, analysis for these teams know more about the NFL than I do. Um, <laughs> one of the teams that I've been seeing for for Gallimore that I think could be interesting is uh, the Falcons. Um, I've seen a couple different, you know, people saying that they see him going to the Falcons. Uh, I think. You know, Bleacher Report has him going to the Falcons in, in round three. Um, and USA Today uh, is saying round two, Neville Gallimore could go to the Falcons. So again, that's people's projections, and, and they're all biased. But I think that could be an interesting one. And I've, I've yet to see a scouting report on Gallimore that mentions the fact that he can read minds. Um, again, that is self-reported from Gallimore. Uh, that hasn't really been verified, and there's some game tape that shows that maybe that's questionable. But, um, yeah, I, I, I would like to see that considered as well when they're looking at him. Um, and then I think, obviously, you know, the teams would have to get him a work visa or something, but... Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean that's a, that, that is a big question. Do the draft scouts actually listen to the uh meet or uh, who's that player um contest at the uh, Yeah. Yeah, they need to pay more attention to that cuz there's a lot of valuable um information in there. So, but Atlanta does have a major you know, international airport. He can get direct flights home, so that could be a factor as well. For sure. Oh yeah, this this is tough. I I like I like Denver as a solid spot for him. You know, they kind of need to shore up that D line. Uh, I will say that what you what Jamison said about him needing to be at a spot where he can't be, he doesn't need to be the guy. Um, that might be a bit too much on his shoulders, but I think it could be a good spot. Uh, Lions are pretty solid. Um, I think that would be uh, pretty solid if you could. Um, I don't know, kind of pair him up with a couple guys, um, kind of a you know second round, you know round thirty five sort of pick or picks uh, thirty five. Uh, so that that's just a couple names. Yeah, um, I think uh, what was it Snacks Harrison for Detroit is probably my favorite name in all of NFL, and I think he's still on the Lions. So Snacks and Neville, <laughs> one two punch. I would love to see that. I would love to see that. Um, so just moving on to the last one, uh, probably the least obvious of them all when it comes down to where is he going to go uh, is Jalen Hurts. This is a dude, before he came to OU, he, I don't, he ain't getting drafted if he's staying at Alabama. 
maybe he gets like a seventh round flyer pick. He comes to OU, now he's getting talks as high as the second round. I've seen mocks as high as the 34th pick from which is unreal to even think of. People I, always make the dumbest decisions on a quarterback in the draft. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. I do not see the 34th pick happening with the Indianapolis Colts. I think that is absolutely ridiculous. Um, you know, as an OU fan and us listening to us, we're not the highest on Jalen Hurts' cap- um, capability of being a quarterback. And running 26 times a game and just putting your shoulder down and running over people after missing the first read is not going to fly in the NFL. So while I think his um, interviews and his maturity is going to bump him up and the Lincoln effect is going to bump him up, I think that he'll get bumped down a little bit due to um, scouts realizing that this guy isn't as good as he can be. But if he can be used as a Dak Prescott rookie year kind of thing where he only throws 10-yard little passes, only plays it safe, doesn't do much, I think a team could spend a second-round pick on him, which is crazy to think. I'll give you all Pittsburgh Steelers. I think they're a team that could take him and the 49th pick because Mason Rudolph and Duck did not look well last year. And Big Ben, I am sorry, but you ain't looking too hot this offseason. I don't know how much longer you got. Man looks like the guy from the Rudolph movie or what is it? You know, like, like Cornelius. <laughs> yes. Like it's, un, it's unreal. And who knows how much longer he's got. Um, and I don't know if Jalen Hurts is the future, but definitely wh- why not? Let's try it. They need something new because Rudolph and Duck is not working. I, uh, yeah, I, if you guys listen to the pod, um, you know, at least regularly, if not every pod, you guys know that I'm not the biggest Jalen Hurts fan. Uh, like Jameson said, he is, he has a great attitude. He's very well-spoken. Um, I think that the Dak comparison is just absolutely absurd. He's, He's nowhere, I don't think he's anywhere near Dak. I, I think that Hertz is a guy that is naturally talented, but not exceptionally, and he has just had world-class coaching, and he's been in the best possible position his entire career. Like, he's, I think he's a guy that is just extremely, He's. I think he's good, but extremely lucky. And I think that, there are thousands of people in the U.S. that if they were in his shoes could be just as successful as he has been. Um, Because I think that had he gone to not Bama, not OU, that he wouldn't even be in the draft. So um, that being said, the Pittsburgh Steelers absolutely love having big, slow, but still running, terrible decision-making, and exceedingly average throwing quarterbacks, and they think that they are God's gift to football. We're looking at you, Big Ben, looking at you, Mason Rudolph, and I I could definitely see the Steelers taking Hurts and thinking that he is the next just greatest person to ever play football, even if he played just at the same level that he played at OU. So, no yeah, disrespect to the Steelers, but... <laughs> Yeah, James said, "I go ahead." Let me, let me. Yeah, you can have, you can have a rebuttal here. You make my thing about Dak Prescott. I'm not saying he is Dak Prescott, 
Now, am I the biggest Dak Prescott fan? No, I'm not. I'm saying that if he could get used in the capacity that Dak Prescott was used in his first year starting, that would be the best way to use Jalen Hurts' repertoire to the best of his abilities. Dak's passer rating was so high, and he barely threw any interceptions because all the dude did was out routes and slants. I think Jalen Hurts throwing it downfield was never his thing that he could do well. The times where he did it was kind of just like a up for grabs and Rambo would get it or it was underthrown. He's not very good with his timing there. I'm just saying if you could use him in a very a running attack um, with James Conner behind him, ground a pound, and then some short passes to Juju Smith-Schuster, I think that's how he'd be used best. I, I see what you're saying. I just don't think that he would have DAC-level success. And I, So all credit to you, I, I I do agree that that is the best way that he could be utilized for sure. I just don't think that he would have similar success. I agree. Yeah. So, I, okay. I, I oh, so, I so we agree then. So it's fine. Well, yeah. Also, you know, he wouldn't have Zeke, so who is, you know, very, very much a big part of Jack's success. Uh, here's my thing. And Jason I, Garrett. <laughs> and Jason Garrett. <laughs> <laughs> here's, here's my thing. I, I think Ty's point about a good system, I think that makes a lot of sense. And I think there's a spot for Jalen that makes the most sense of all of these, and it's the New England Patriots. I know a lot of people <laughs> I know a lot of people have directed uh, Jalen uh, with the Patriots due to his experience with uh, one of you know Belichick's uh, really good friends, uh, Nick Saban, ever heard of him. Uh, and their system is very similar. They're very, in terms of attitudes, it, it makes sense for uh, Jalen to go to a place like that. Um, I don't think he's their, he would be their number one guy by any means, but it's a, it's a, I think would be a solid spot for him to kind of grow and learn. And um, you know, I, I think he has tools available to him. I think he has that system available to him, and I think that's a, a place he would really thrive in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I can see that too. I would not be like in the slightest surprised about it just because of the Nick Saban connection with Bill Belichick. I think that's probably my second option there. Um, but it's really, I think Jalen Hurts is the most interesting story of all for OU um, in this draft coming up because it's it could be day, it could be second round, it could be fourth round. It really could. It it just, but I think one team will take a chance on them. And <laughs> Pittsburgh Steelers, there you go, as Ty said. Well, yeah. I think that they're super <laughs> enough to do it. All right, now that we've kind of got everyone placed for the draft, let's take a look at uh, Cruden Quarter. It's kind of been a cool minute, but um, a lot of stuff has happened. Uh, and I feel like the biggest thing has been the. Uh, the Series 3, something that popped up out of nowhere. Lincoln dropped a new thing, um, and everyone's kind of confused. Jameson, can you, um, before you start the Cruton Corner, uh, I, I don't mean to direct your own segment here, but uh, if you, <laughs> I don't know if this is what you're going to lead off with, but can you um, inform everyone a little bit on what, uh, what that means? It's exactly what I was going to lead up with. Everyone wanted to know what the Series 3 is whenever it posted, and it's not an eyeball, so it's something that's going to create a lot of talk and havoc, and people are going to get really nervous. Uh, the first thing you go to is, who is this going to be? It's probably going to be Caleb Williams, the number one quarterback in the nation, uh, dual-threat quarterback out of the D.C. area, um, top five recruit in the nation. It's crazy that we have replaced 
Um, Vandegrift with possibly Williams here. Um, I believe Williams to be um, one of the eyes that we recently had, the one that said Boomer after it. Anytime Lincoln puts words after an eyeball, that means it's a huge recruit. So um, that's my um, intuition while it's Caleb Williams there. But the serious three is who are two guys that Caleb Williams is really associated with that it would make them a trio? So you think East Coast guys. Caleb Williams is supposedly a huge recruiter. He wants to bring a lot of his guys with him, a lot of wide receivers that he thinks he'd do really well with. And a lot of guys want to come with him, guys that would never even have considered OU unless a guy like Caleb Williams is going. And the talk is who it is. It is Mario Williams, a guy who really was into OU before Caleb Williams was on the board out of Plant City in Florida. Um Top 25 player in the nation, according to rivals. Um, really good wide receiver. Just everything you want in a wide receiver down to its peak. He would be great. And then the other guy is Christian Leary. And he is another East Coast guy. And he is our burner of the class. He's five foot nine. He's got a great track speed. Um, he's still a four-star, not as highly ranked. But if you watch his tape, like Bobby sent tape of it to me the other day and I watched it. It's just unreal how he has breakaway speed from the safety. Nobody can catch him. This this is a guy you want in every single class. Does this Series 3 mean a commitment? I don't think so. I don't think it's – I think the eyeballs would have been warranted there. But I think this means, like, let's create hype for this group of three moving forward. And there's going to be talk about it, and people are going to make some rumblings. And then whenever the time comes for strict strategy that – they do need to commit, it can create a big tidal wave and snowball effect of more recruits hopping on to the hype. Yeah, that's always been a thing is if you kind of give a group a name, they, I, I think they're more inclined to go with it. Uh, you, you saw that a lot with the Spencer Rattler class with him and the uh, three, three receivers and Stogner, you know, them really kind of getting behind that movement of them as a unit. Uh, and then you can even go as far back as uh, the uh, Cali trio of uh, Kenny Stills, uh, uh, Tony Jefferson, and I am blanking on the running back. It's so bad. Um, oh, shoot. Oh, no, it's it's the running back who uh, it, he uh, beat OSU in Bedlam in 20, uh, 2013. Or 12, 2012. It was um, not, not Blake. Why right. in the heck does – whenever someone blanks on something – it makes me blank on it, it's, it's and, and I don't know, I don't know why, but I keep I'm just going to Google it. Chris Chris Brown every single time now is in my head. <laughs> that's the first thing that came to my head. How stupid do I sound right now that I can't think of the running back in the Cali hang on, trio? Hang on, hang on, I'm blanking. So Cali bad. trio. Oh, it's, uh, it's loading. I'm on. Oh god, he was he was the worst of the three. As he obviously didn't go to the league. Oh, Clay. Brennan Clay. Brennan yeah, Clay. Brennan Clay. Brennan yeah. Clay. Chris Brown. Chris Brown. Chris Brown was uh, like <laughs> he, he was, was a receiver. <laughs> Chris Brown was a running back. Yeah, yeah. He he was. Yeah. He was um you're thinking of yeah. Yeah, no, yeah. Chris Brown Brennan Br- Clay, God. Brennan Clay. That was I, I I had BC in my head, I just couldn't put it together. Wasn't he the guy who DeMarco Murray uh cheated on his on his girlfriend or whatever? <laughs> Yeah, you're talking spray, about uh, spray, spray tan. tan. <laughs> spray tan situation. Yeah, <laughs> poor guy. Oof. He gets he gets completely forgotten in the podcast and got spray tan. But anyways, um, <laughs> <laughs> but 
But anyways, Jameson, so tell us a little bit more uh, about some of the other guys we have on our radar, um, including one guy I keep seeing popping up. I don't know if he's from this class or the next, uh, The Mountain. Who's The Mountain? Oh, yes. Yeah, let's go into that. So, I, I how about, <laughs> Turns I'm, out the dude it, from Game of Thrones had eligibility. So. <laughs> dude, and, and, that's, and that's his um, profile picture on Twitter. Uh, we'll just hit each... Um, like group of players, you know, by position, just to yeah. keep everyone um, like up to date with the names that we're high on. Guys that are realistic options in the mountain, Bryce Foster. He is uh, a five-star offensive lineman, one of the top ten players in the nation according to rivals, and he is a huge Texas A&M legacy. Like his mom is like on text ag message boards and stuff. Oh, like, no. like, <laughs> like I know, but but we've got we're reeling him in because we made a whole like game plan for him because he's a huge track athlete too so a bleacher report article just came out this morning as of monday april 13th uh talking about how he could go to the olympics or something there's some kind of hyperbole uh when it comes down to the disc and shot put but this dude's a beast he's like he looks like he looks like a lumberjack honestly and he is really really good and somehow we are the favorite for him now. And I would not be surprised if he's part of these guys, this group of guys right now that we could turn into a commitment at any time. But I think Lincoln's holding off a lot of these guys um, from committing because he wants to create momentum whenever the time comes, uh, whenever it gets closer to uh, possible season starting or possible uh, recruiting uh, non-dead periods, you know where we could get visits in and then roll out a huge wave of commitments. So even though you don't see eyeballs, I bet you there's a lot of silent commits and uh, guys wanting to publicly commit and get a spot during this time. Um, but Bryce Foster, definitely the best um, offensive line target for us going forward. Other offensive linemen, we currently have a commit, a tackle, uh, Colin Montgomery out of uh, Houston area. And uh, he is all over Twitter about OU, back and forth. Um, he's very proud um, of his spot, so I don't think we're going to lose him there. Uh, we took five offensive linemen last year, so I don't expect much this year. And plus, we just got Chris Murray, a transfer guard from UCLA. Um, he is not immediately eligible, so he would have to either sit out a year or get a waiver. And with how solid our offensive line is this year, and their age, it might suit him to kind of sit out and take this as a red shirt. And then we'd have a guy who is older and is experienced and who started as a true freshman in his sophomore year at UCLA moving forward at the guard spot. So that's kind of like our O-line spot there. Um, what do you, what did you all think about um, whenever Chris Murray first uh, transferred into OU? Um, I, I thought it was interesting that we got another UCLA guy. Well, it's not like UCLA isn't a dumpster fire. We're just, we have that home and home with them, and I guess we're just now pillaging them all from uh, from. Yeah, uh, turns, from out, Brian turns out it was uh, the handshake after the game was actually an official recruiting visit. <laughs> we were we, we we were scouting at the Rhodes Bowl by behind yeah. them in what could loosely be described as a football game. Dude, uh, how bad can it be to have Chip Kelly as a coach? do that poor in these seasons and then you lose two of your best players to transfer right after like like how is he still having a job as a coach of UCLA I have no idea like Chris Murray this this dude's good like this was like an all-american coming out like four-star like he was no scrub of a recruit 
and now we got him for two seasons. He can play for two seasons. Yeah. Listen, he's gonna he's gonna start. Yeah, I, it's the buyout. I think um, this is something I talked about with Hertz a lot, and it's very um, it, it's difficult to measure. Like you, you, the only way that you would really be able to measure this is through comments in an interview or in a press conference. But I absolutely love um, when you have high talent guys that are coming from other very notable coaches or systems with play time because you get like a like a hurts like i like i talked about with jalen hurts <laughs> i just i just noticed bobby's uh, oh the zoom, zoom background, background my bad just hanging out <laughs> at the border so anyways um no but like with hurts like a guy coming from Saban system and it's like i i said over and over again uh i think hurts's biggest impact for ou was not his play this year, because honestly, looking back, I think Austin Kendall would have had us with the same record. Um, but it's his impact on the team and, and leading and, and being a voice in the locker room. So I'd love to see big name, high quality players. You know, Chip Kelly really dropped the ball with recruiting, um, and he's dropping the ball, it seems, overall at UCLA, but he's still a notable coach. And he's still a guy, sorry, <laughs> that knows a lot. Um, and you know, Chris Murray had to have picked up some stuff at UCLA that he's going to be able to bring back. So that that is something that I love to see with guys. So I mean, Sermon's going to do the same thing for Ohio State. So hopefully we don't meet him in the playoffs. But yeah, he's he's a smart guy. He knows he's coming to the best offensive line um, coach in college football, far and away. Um, with Pippen yeah. now as head coach of Arkansas, it's there's no argument. It's Beatenbow is the best offensive line coach. So I guess just moving on, just um, we'll hit. Um, I know running back is another uh, thing we really want to have a big conversation about. Uh, Kamar Wheaton, five star running back, is the guy we really, really want. Um, we wanted to hit um, running back hard this cycle. About what we talked about earlier, we really need some big time guys. We need some stars to come and be the future. And Kamar Wheaton's that guy. He's a really uh, quietly spoken guy out of Texas, but he's the number one running back in the nation, according to many sites. And um, we're the leader. He has a really good relationship with DeMarco Murray, and DeMarco Murray has done really well with recruits recently. It seems like all of them have been speaking very highly of him, and he's just a personable guy. So Kamar Wheaton, we have no idea when he will commit, no timeline, no nothing, but we know that we're the number one for him, and it's a battle between Texas the other guy we really wanted was Travion Henderson. Um, he's a Virginia guy, another East Coast. Um, we thought that the Caleb Williams effect would probably um, draw him towards OU. Problem is, he could, we couldn't get him out for a visit. And Ohio State um, recently secured his commitment because they had only one more spot in the running back cycle, and he was so enamored with them and so scared that he'd lose that spot. So he went and just napped it up and just secured it. Um, so could he flip in the future? Possibly. Um, but it's but if you commit to a school without even visiting them, that that's going to be hard to beat. Um, so we're going to probably want two or three running backs. Uh, L.J. Johnson is another guy, another very high four-star um, guy that we are looking after. That's high on us. Another OU Texas matchup there, and then A.J. Green out of Tulsa Union is a guy that we're going after. He uh, we originally offered him as a DB, and he came out uh, about three or four months ago said. I ain't going to play DBE. I'm only taking offers now for running back. 
And we kind of backed off for a little bit. Then we thought about it and we're like, this dude is super fast, really, really good. How about we take a chance on him at running back? And if it works out great, we're feeling really good about it. But if he's not getting time in second, in like in his second year and he's getting the itch to play, go try yourself at safety. And let's see how it works. Go try yourself a nickelback. And I think that's what they do there because that dude is too talented and too fast not to use a scholarship on him. Bring him into a running back room that's thin and then work it out later if it doesn't work out. For sure. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, just moving on, just quick hit. Um, wide receivers, we already talked about um, Mario Williams and Leary. I think that they're going to commit and be OU guys. Cody Jackson is also already currently an OU um, wide receiver, very um, highly spoken of, uh, four-star of Texas, is constantly recruiting. Uh, who else is going to fill that? Uh, it's going to be Caleb Williams, guys. He's going to he's going to be an Oklahoma Sooner, guys. Uh, even though he's not committed, this, he's going to be there. Um I think he'll bring another East Coast guy like Jalil Farouk is a big body, six foot two wide receiver. Um, kind of has the body type of almost like a little bit skinnier Lee Morris, but still can play on the outside. Um, and then J. Michael Sturdivant is a guy out of Flower Mound that has been firing up the ranks, and we got in on him early before he really had any big Power Five um, offers. So that is a big thing. And then we're trying to get what the number one wide receiver in the class, Emeka Agbuka from um, Washington, but. That's going to be tough to bring out a guy from Washington in a time that we can barely even get people out for visits. Um, so we'll try our hardest with that. Um, but Caleb can try, but I don't think that's going to be there. But that's just that's a pipe dream. Um, and that kind of just um, shores up the offense. This offensive class is going to be awesome. Um, we're going to get everybody we want, what it looks like, except for probably Travion Henderson. So we And with Bryce Foster leaning towards OU now after A&M, we should be giddy with excitement. Um, when it comes down to offense recruiting, defense recruiting has been a little bit shaky. Um, talking about the positives, we currently got Jordan Mukes, Choctaw, Oklahoma commit, um, safety recently in the boat. Um, and uh, he is tall. Like he is six foot three, six foot four, six foot that, that range. Uh, basketball player, just started playing football a couple, like one or two years ago, kind of guy, just pure athlete. And, uh, He's been recruiting hard for OU, and we sent out an offer to him, and about a week or two later, he committed. Um, so that's really cool. Uh, Latrell McCutcheon is one of the highest-regarded cover corners in this recruiting class um, out of Austin, Texas. And y'all get a kick out of this. This dude absolutely does not want to go to any Texas school. He hates Texas. He hates Texas A&M. He thinks exactly what they should be um, is just people blowing fake smoke. And that's an absolute refresher to hear that from um, someone come from the Austin area. He is one of our eyes, and uh, he just recently released a top 10 out of nowhere, even though obviously everyone knows he's a silent commit because he decommitted from Alabama on his visit to Oklahoma. So, like, <laughs> what, are, what, are, what are you doing here? He just wants the hype. Um, he's one of those dudes who just likes getting the attention. This, 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 this dude's an 18-year-old, you know. Of course he's going to want the hype. So, I mean, or I, he's probably 17 now I think about it. Like, of course, like, I, if, if this is a dead period, nothing's really going on, I have a silent commit, but nobody knows it, I'm going to put out some stuff, try to get myself some extra followers and some extra hype. Yeah, 17-year-old me would be the most annoying recruit of all time. <laughs> I, would, I would just be intentionally, like, going on visits to random places, and it, it would be it'd be wild. Yeah, why not? Yeah, um, and his best friend, Austin, that they want to play together, 
Um, Andrew McCuba picked up an offer that same visit that um, Latrell uh, supposedly silent committed. And we're going after him too big. And uh, I haven't really heard much about him. They haven't really been talking about him on the boards recently, but he would be a great fit for this DB class, a safety nickel hybrid kind of guy that would fit well. And Latrell McCutcheon, I'm t- just to go back on him. This guy's six foot one. He's got speed. He's got length. He's got dog in him. He's everything we want. And he's highly rated too. Like this is really pivotal that we keep him in the boat. Um, and then kind of moving on the coolest part. I think the most exciting part of this recruiting class moving forward, something fun to talk about is a guy right out of our backyard. Um, Kendall Daniels. If any of y'all have heard about him, he um, is from Oklahoma and he is getting comparisons to Isaiah Simmons. He's picked up Clemson and Georgia offers recently, and Clemson is trying to sell him about being the next Isaiah Simmons. But this dude is big on OU, and we're going to try to use him as a linebacker safety hybrid. And uh, that guy is going to be really, really fun uh, moving forward. Definitely look him up and check out his tape. Um, and if we could pull something like Clemson did with um, Isaiah Simmons, that would be really cool. Um, Linebacker-wise, uh, Kobe McKenzie is a 2022 guy out of Lubbock that we got who's um, – four or five star um, 2022 kid, but he's trying to reclassify to 2021. So maybe he might be a part of this class, something to keep out, but he's already six foot three, like 250, like monster man. He's already, he's one of those early growers. Bobby can attest to early growers. Um, (laughs) (laughs) In Austria, uh, they're not very good at football. (laughs) Yeah. Hopefully this guy is not just good in his early stages, but better in his later stages too. (laughs) He doesn't just fizzle. Here's the thing. I was too early. I was way too early. I, I, was, I, was, I was this height in in middle school. I, I, I had a really great eighth grade year. Good stuff. Uh, Bobby was scary to go against. That, that man had anger in his eyes. Yeah. He had muscles before any of us. Yeah, no, for sure, for sure. It was, uh, it was next level stuff. And then naturally, you know, uh, everything, everyone else caught up. Yeah, and then they're just in and out the recruiting corner. And the saddest part of everything is D line recruiting. Our D line recruiting was bad last year. Um, kind of, even though it was fun to see getting the top two defense tackles in JUCO, you would rather get guys that are highly retouted um, defensive linemen out of high school. And we really kind of whiffed on not getting Alfred Collins. Um, even though he was pretty much set towards Texas the whole year, we put all of our eggs in one basket on him, and then failed. Um, we're not really – I feel like we might be falling into the same thing again where we're going big on guys that are highly recruited and we're not really the number one and we're just going to get second or third place again. We currently have Ethan Downs out of uh, Weatherford, Oklahoma right now who's highly ranked four-star, but he's an outside defensive end, could play rush. Um, but going from priority um, downwards, Monkel Goodwine is probably our biggest guy that we're trying to right now. He's a defensive end out of Maryland, um, big-time friends with Caleb Williams. He just recently released a top five without us in it, which was kind of scary because I thought we were really big. On, he was really big on us. And it was because that Calvin Thibodeau is his recruiter, and he didn't like the idea of being a defensive tackle. So that was a very bad move on our end because we didn't communicate with what he wanted to be. He wanted to be recruited by Jamar Kane and not Calvin Thibodeau. So I think we've mended the fences there. I don't know if we can bounce back from it, but supposedly we'll be fine. And there's talks that he's going to be in on this big official visit group um, that's 
all the East Coast Maryland kids are all going to come out at once to one of the games throughout the season and just have it like a I think would be a huge commitment wave that could really pull off if Caleb Williams pulls the strings right. And there's word that he will be in that group. And um, if we're going to get a visit from him, that means we're in the top five. So I think hopefully we'll be okay there, but we've got a lot of work to mending um, fences to mend there. Um, a guy that we used to talk about a lot in the past, Tim Messe Adelaide, um, just recently uh, transferred to IMG in Florida. And ever since then, OU was at number one before, and now we're almost like at number three probably. So things aren't looking good there. Other names just to look at for D-line, Shamar Turner, uh, we're probably number two to Texas right now. He's a DeSoto, Texas kid. And then Kelvin Gilliams from Virginia. Um, really don't know much about his recruitment, but hoping the East Coast effect will get, can get him there, and we're really recruiting him hard. But D. Lyman is looking weird. We offered the number one defensive tackle on Juco again. I really hope it doesn't come to that where we're just getting Juco kids again. But uh, all in all, uh, recruiting's been really fun. Defense is looking a little scary. Offense is looking really, really cool and awesome which is pretty much every year. Um, but if we can get Caleb Williams in the boat, we might get some really, really fun events coming up here with this um, East Coast following. Yeah, definitely. That would be – I mean, that would be huge that, you know, um, the the DMV area of, you know, uh, D.C., it, it's huge. That's a great recruiting hotbed that I feel like a lot of people kind of forget about because you don't think of East Coast – you don't think of the East Coast as – I mean, other than the Southeast, as um, you know, a place where you can get really good players, but definitely DC is is a great spot. Um, yeah, usually, and it's, it's, it's usually special it's more basketball. Yeah, from, it's, for DC, it's it's yeah, it really is, and usually they're not that they're not that good, but this year it's they're really really stacked, and it awesome that we kind of fell into Caleb Williams being in that area and can give us guys that we would have no chance with beforehand um, because we really need that right now we if Caleb Williams can turn one defensive player to OU this recruiting cycle that is a huge success for us because this defense needs somebody and needs somebody bad it's a big time recruit and everyone no matter what position you are even if you're not a wide receiver you want to go play with the, the number one quarterback in your recruiting class. Because look at look at the guys that have been doing really well. Uh, Trevor Lawrence, you want to go play with guys like that, the guys who've been going to the national championship. Uh, for the Alabama last year, they just got um, Bryce, uh, what's his name? Uh, whatever, uh, from modern day. And yeah, you want to go play with him because you want to go play with the number one guys because that gives you the best chance to win because college football is a quarterback-driven league. And these kids are smart enough to know that. Exactly. Exactly, and you know, and I think getting Williams after that pretty upsetting Vandegrift decommit would be—I mean, that'd be great—a total one eighty. Mm-hmm. Yes. So um, Lincoln yeah. do a one eighty Riley. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Well, is that all you? Uh, I, I I say, is that all you have? Like it wasn't a big curtain quarter. This uh, was supposed to be the spring game preview today. This is spring game weekend coming up. So that's that's really all I got on that. That's just kind of just keeping you updated with the names. It's a lot. But um, if you see them on your Twitter feed, maybe you'll remember hearing them on this pod. Um, if you heard the name here, we are, have a good chance of getting them. Um, the, the majority of the people I said were favorites for. 
when it comes down to defense, those D linemen, not so much. But when it comes down to offense, almost all those guys were probably number one or very close to being number one. Which is something I think is really good, really bodes well for OU is as time has gone on, we've gone from, I feel like in previous years, all of these guys would be like, it's a toss up between us and A&M or us and Texas or us and whoever. But now we're starting to, that we're starting to get more in the favorites for these type of guys. I think it really signals uh, that things are are shifting. It's a slow shift, but um, obviously, you know, this class would be, I think a, a really huge step into getting classes like this every year. People are seeing through the smoke screen of A&M in Texas, at least some of the smart ones. And uh, especially with Texas's players last year negatively recruiting their own coaching staff, that that's just – parents don't want their kid to go to that environment. you know. And in the kids that do go there, do we really want them at all? Exactly. I think we're really starting to hit the downward slope of the uh, Herman era at Texas. I, I, I think it's trending down more than it's trending up. I don't know if that's a, a kind of a gooner hot take there. I didn't know that is that is a that is not even a take. That is a, that is a fact. I, yeah, I, just, I don't think I don't think that's even that's not even a hot take. Y- yeah, no, um, it's I, I still don't get why they're so optimistic about things. I, I have. I, I mean, we, 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 Ty, you know him because he's, he's, uh, we've done pods with him, but, uh, Chris Eilenstein, our Texas insider friend, uh, he thinks they're like making a playoff run this year. I, I understand why Texas fans are so optimistic because they have an absurd budget that they use to commit recruiting violations. Um, and they have, you know, ridiculous talent for who they are. Because you have all these kids that, you know, are now 16, 17, 18 years old and are committing there. And they're thinking back to when they were little kids and Texas was nationally relevant and not now on the same tier as, like, I don't know, UCF. So it's... uh, Do not put Texas on UCF. Come on, Listen, we're talking national champions here. They equally, currently, equally as relevant nationally. Okay, all right. So, but uh, yeah, no. So I, I, anyways, I went on a long, um, you know, sidetrack there. I see why Texas fans are optimistic though, because they have all the tools that they need to not only succeed, but to be a dynasty, to be a Clemson, to be a Bama level program currently. You know, obviously, traditionally, they're not the most successful programs, but they could be a perennial top four team, and they could be, you know, absolutely destroying the Big 12 like OU is every year. So I see why Texas fans are optimistic. I don't see, I I do not understand, and I would say the same things. You guys know I'm super critical of a lot of OU people. I would not, I have no understanding of why they're so optimistic about Tom Herman. I would, I would, the same things I say about Tom Herman, I would be saying about him if he were OU's head. Are in a time where you cannot develop your players that are new and you cannot develop your coaching staff that are new due to the lack of time before the season to be together. So Texas should not be optimistic because this dude has a whole new coaching staff. He completely sweeped the house to save his own ass of how bad of a job he was doing. And 
you think just because you have a returning quarterback means you're going to be good? That does not mean anything. Just let He's running out of excuses. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I, I know they had injuries earlier like or earlier in that season last year, but the thing is Tom Herman teams always do the same thing. They get up for big games, and then they blow it against some random teams. He did it at Houston. He's doing it at Texas, and I have no reason to believe that it's not going to happen again this season. So, all right. I think that's – we're about to run out of our second Zoom, so. Oh, man. Yeah, a good old hefty pod. It, it, this was this has been nice. I've uh, spot has the length for sure. It's it, it is it is very long. It's got a little girth to it. It's pretty good. I'm pretty happy about the the size of this podcast. So pretty good for not having anything to actually talk about. But um, <laughs> yeah. So I think that's I think that's just about it. We we covered everything we need to. We bitched about Texas a little bit. We did everything we could. Great success. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. Well, for um, for more content and stuff, just keep keep tuned to us. We're gonna try to do some more stuff, uh, particularly with uh, what. I don't know. We we we've been doing some. I've been trying to do some new stuff. We did a uh, we did a, a rewatch of uh, OU Baylor a couple from 2015. Uh, me and when. When did we do that? No, me, me and Darryl did it. I'm the no, co-host. I didn't me, even know about that. Me, me and Darryl did it, and we put oh, okay. it on YouTube. So we're, we're going to do a couple of rewatches here and there. So if there are any games that you want to see us go over, obscure, not obscure, whatever, just let us know. So be, be able to look out for more of those. I think Jameson and I are going to drop that classic 2013 Bedlam game sometime. So keep an eye out. So, all right. Well, who knows the next time we'll uh, be talking football or have anything new to talk about. But it's been fun talking with you guys. Yeah, um, we got it out. And uh, if we want another hour pod, I'll see you guys in another three months. Yeah. <laughs> Ty, anything you want to say before we head out? No, I mean, Jameson's right. We'll probably be doing the same thing. So <laughs> it, It's just going to be the same thing, but like, but now we're closer to the commitment of Caleb Williams. He's still interested. He is. He is. He has removed Maryland from his list. <laughs> Big news, everyone. <laughs> the Terps are out. You're getting me excited, Bobby. You can't do that. Uh, we, we just need to take any any crummy thing. May I please have a, I please have a crumb of sports news? <laughs> please have a, a crumb of crouton. Dude, I have been so deep into NFL draft. I don't know what to do after April 23rd. It's going to be so bad. Oh, yeah. It's going to be tough. But All right. So as it is tradition, it took me five minutes to close the podcast. Uh, for me, for me, Ty and Jameson, this has been the Schooner Pod. Thank you all so much for listening. We'll be back at some point. So, uh, But until then, Boomer Sooner. Oh, I had some peanut in my teeth the whole time, and y'all didn't say anything. <laughs> <laughs> leave that. Leave that in as the actual ending. <laughs>